Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. What? Good morning. Thank you. Oh, I like that. I think we're going to start singing that every morning. That's going to be our <laughs> greeting. Uh, I hope everybody had an awesome week. Uh, today we're going to be discussing uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. As a reminder, we're going to be discussing uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 next Sabbath. Um, the whole chapter, but I want people to look at verse 11 because I think that's that to me that is the most important verse but um, but yeah so the whole chapter but verse 11 being the, the being the, the put a gold star next to that one in my eyes and also remember in two weeks on the seventh we're going to be meeting at Rocky Ridge Park uh, we will have a um, confirmed pavilion by next week I hope and uh, but we do know Rocky Ridge Park on May seventh, uh, eleven eleven thirty, and um, look forward to that. Um, so so with the so going through Bible studies and and we read the Bible, we know there's there's some stuff in it which which can be kind of challenging to our minds to wrap our heads around. Um, my my beliefs growing up and. And I did not read the Bible, so I'm, I had to go secondhand on what other people were saying. It was either horrific, you're punished, or kind of fluffy stuff. You don't. You, you, and it's it's amazing when people say the Bible is the book of life. It it, it finds every point of life that we have. It, it, and uh, Corinthians, what Paul has written in Corinthians is, it, it, it's a kick. And the first time I read it, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, whoa. And I, I it's so, but it's these things that we need to hear and learn. Um, and it's a short, it's a short chapter. Um, so if we want to, there's, there's three or four paragraphs. So I'll start off with the first paragraph and somebody wants to read, uh, Tammy, you want to read the second paragraph? Okay. And Seth, you want to read the third paragraph? Sure. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, again, this is important and it's, 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 it's tough, but it's, it's reality and we face it every day. Um, immoral church members. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are arrogant. Shouldn't you be filled with grief and removed from your congregation, the one who did this? Even though I am absent in the body, I am present in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who has been doing such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven, so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast, not with old leaven, or with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in a letter not to associate with sexual immoral, um, immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of this world. 
or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Idolaters, right? Idolaters. Idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave this world. But actually, I wrote you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister in this sexual, immoral, or greedy, and I. How do you say that? Idolater. A, idolater. Or verbally abusive, a drunkard and swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what business is mine? Is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. Thank you to everybody who read. Um, <clears throat> and, and this is kind of a a personal note. I, you know, through certain things in my life, you know, when we read things, um, in in a different part of my life where we do a lot of reading and learning about certain things and conditions. Um, every time I read through this, now that I've heard people read it. It's amazing how I hear different things and I'm learning something new that maybe yesterday I didn't know or didn't think of or didn't hit me. Um, and I, to me, the, the last line, I see it's all, I know it's bold print. And I, I guess maybe it was meant for me to read boldly, but I haven't read it boldly yet until it was just read. Um, Reading, the reading, I, I took the initial reading that as, you know, remove people, get away from, get away from these situations, remove the people from your life or, you know, avoid those situations, avoid those environments, avoid these places. Um, and, you know, the reason why I said this is tough because I know that, you know, to go back to uh, Jesus and the Pharisees with the, with the, uh, with the prostitute, you who's without sin cast the first stone. And I, I'm, I'm going through a personal feeling right now. I mean, literally as I'm sitting here of, this, this is talking about me. Am I worthy of being in your presence? Am I? For maybe one, two, or all these things that are being meant, that Paul mentions, am I possibly guilty of? And, you know, it even says even a thought of certain things, you're guilty even with the thought. Um... But where I'm really getting the message, you know, what is God? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. To me, and I hope we all can have a good discussion on this. To me, remove that evil person among you. I'm, we could easily shun that person away, push that person away. But I'm also reading and hearing that I want to remove that evil person among you. I want... I, there's another way of doing it without me physically pushing you away. It's showing the character of God and Christ. And that's what I'm reading right now. Not running away from that person. 
love your enemy. Just that's a conversation I had yesterday. That just dawned on me too what you're saying because I because reading that I'm like, wow, you know, Paul's really um, that's pretty strong what he's saying. He's all that he was careful that he said. I'm not talking about people on the outside. I'm talking about y'all on the inside circle here who are claiming to be followers of Jesus. And yet you're doing all these really evil things, you know, while claiming to be a follower. But I really like what you just said, like, Tarita, that he he's not necessarily saying kick that person away, but just, but just remove that evil that's in them. That's a whole different, a whole different picture. That like just really, hit me. Yeah, like really start praying for that person. Talk. I mean, he says talk to them, go and talk to them, and then earnestly pray with them, and then you know, that kind of gives them the opportunity then to to accept your love and your your care and talking with them, or they walk away. In Christ's message to the prostitute to sin no more mm -hmm. Seth? Mm -hmm. I'm not a single thought in my head right now <laughs> yeah this this passage needs to breathe a little bit how about it that's huge it, it was harsh when I read it and I read it again and then I read through another verse and another version just to see if anything, you know, was said just a little bit different. And it's it's harsh um, because I think nobody's perfect. And at some point, <coughs> you know, some or all of us have been on that other side, you know, maybe not specifically what they're saying, but you know what I mean, more like, you know, you didn't feel worthy of being in church or whatever, but uh, <clears throat> still you were there, or for, for some reason you were drawn to be there. Maybe it was just the friendships. Maybe it was, you know, there was a reason for it. But um, I don't know. It, 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 it's harsh. It's harsh because I, I know that Sometimes you do things for other reasons. You know, you, um, I don't know how to word that. Like you go, th you go to church, you, you're there, you, you may not, you not, may not feel fit to be there, but you go, you go through the motions. Maybe you go to take your kids because you know you're so wrong. You know what I mean? Um, but the people or the friendships that have stuck by you or have reached out to you are actually the ones that change you. So I, I'm having a hard time with it. So. Can I read the way the message puts it? <laughs> sure. The message Bible puts it this way. I wrote you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous. I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with outsiders of that sort or with crooks, whether blue or white collar or with spiritual phonies for that matter, 
You'd have to leave the world entirely to do that. But I am saying that you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine when a friend who claims to be a Christian is promiscuous or crooked, is flipped with God or rude to friends, gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory. You can't just go along with this, treating it as acceptable behavior. I'm not responsible for what the outsiders do, but don't we have some responsibility for those within our community of believers? God decides on the outsiders, but we need to decide when our brothers and sisters are out of line and if necessary, clean house. May I read the same passage from the remedy? Yeah, sure. This is a remedy paraphrase. Uh, unbelieve it, unbelievably, it has been reported that there is open sexual immorality among you, even worse than what pagans practice. A man has his own father's wife. And some of you are proud? What are you thinking? Shouldn't your hearts have been broken in sadness and remorse? Should you not have disciplined this man and woman, and if they persist, put them out of your fellowship? Even though I am not physically there with you, I am with you in heart, and I have already just as easily as if I were there, diagnosed the ones who did this as being out of harmony with God's methods. When you assemble with hearts and minds in harmony with our Lord Jesus, knowing that I am with you in heart and that the power of our Lord Jesus is present, call this man and woman to account. And if they refuse to repent, abandon them to their own choices, so that in reaping the consequences of choosing Satan's kingdom, their flesh will suffer, and they will recognize their error and have a change of heart before it's too late, and thus be saved when the Lord returns. Your pride and bragging is destructive. Don't you realize that yeast is a symbol of sin, and it only takes a little to spread through the entire batch of dough? Get rid of old yeast, the old selfish methods, so you, as you are, may be a new batch without pride or selfishness. For Christ, our Passover meal, has already been prepared for us to partake of. So don't celebrate the feast as bread raised up with selfishness and arrogance, but as humble, flat bread, free of selfishness and pride, pure bread of truth and love. Previously I wrote, instructing you not to associate with sexually immoral people. Obviously, I didn't mean non-church members who are immoral, greedy, cheats, or pagans, if that were the case, you would have to leave the world. So let me clarify. You must not fellowship with anyone who claims to be a Christian, but practices sexual immorality, is dominated by greed, cheats, worships false gods, is an addict or alcoholic who refuses treatment, is a swindler or a gossip and slanderer. Don't even go to lunch with such a person. What business is it of mine to diagnose those outside the church? Are we not to diagnose those inside, determine who is participating in God's remedy, and is well enough to serve others? God will diagnose those outside the church. Expel from among you the one who insists in practicing Satan's methods, yet claims to represent Christ. For me, reading it, that, that translation, something popped out at me, is uh, in verse 11 there at the end of verse 11 the one who refuses treatment mm -hmm. 
so to me that kind of like wrapped it all around for me a person who claims to be a Christian but they're refusing they're not attempting to get into recovery they're not trying to get better what I get out of that passage is, is Paul is saying there's a person in your group who says they're Christians but they're refusing treatment don't go there because what I hear Paul saying is like that's you can diagnose that that is an unconverted heart. That is a person that's not surrendered their heart to Christ for change. That's what I hear him saying. That had a better understanding with that version. Yeah, that, I, I think that helps a lot, actually. Yeah. You know, it, it's. It I was, understand the words. Well, it's not only that, but it, it was like it, it was put through a more loving lens. Yeah. So it. it you know, even though it's difficult decisions and it's basically saying the same thing, it's saying it differently enough that you're like, you know, you care about this person, so this is why it needs to happen. You know what I mean? Or, you know, it, it's not, you're still trying to have them be saved in the end, you know? It it hit me, like, because before we started, I talked about the prayer request. Like, I have some friends that you know what I mean, need this, and, and then, you know, here we read it in verse 5, hand back to the notebook Bible, hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, the remedy words it so that he'll suffer and reap the consequences of his choices, like, mm-hmm. like stop enabling this guy or this woman or whatever. I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Bill Johnson um, not too long ago, and it was similar um, to this passage. And that he said that, like, you know, sometimes we can't just, like, just, like, catch somebody off guard and blatantly come in front of you and say, you are messing up, man. You know, but go behind them first and pray and pray and pray for God's spirit to start talking to them and preparing their heart for when you come in love and say, you know, let's talk, you know, get behind them and pray first. You know, it's amazing. So we've heard one, two, three versions so far. And so I'm looking in this, again, this is a Bible that I just got a week ago, and I'm starting to just kind of look through it. And so I'm looking at a side note on for, chat, for, for lines 12 and 13, and it goes down to uh, 5, 12, and 13. The Aramaic can be translated, remove wickedness from among you. And then it says, see Deuteronomy 17.7. I just read this for the first time. The local church has the authority to discipline erring believers who persist in sin under the old covenant. That discipline was physical execution by stoning. (laughs) But under the new covenant, church discipline is spiritual. Mm -hmm. I like that. Done in love. I mean, it shows hypocrisy today, though, from Christians. Why they was misleaded by this stuff? That's why everyone calls Christians hypocrites. It's true. Yeah, it's... So, I'm actually going to ask a question of you, Charlie, on something that you said, okay. and I'm going to bring this into, and I, and I think the. I'm going to go into the design versus imposed law. Okay. So, 
there is a form of so when 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 Bob continues eating the Twinkies when he shouldn't be eating the Twinkies and you're hoping one day he's going to stop eating the Twinkies he's going to eat that one extra Twinkie and bust the button on his pants and get pre-diabetic because he still eats the Twinkies so that's the proverbial foot we were talking about the kick right so is that punishment that is he punishing himself or is there a background of a holy spirit or, or the god saying i've taken this umbrella off you you walked out from underneath the umbrella you kept eating his twinkies but did god punish him or did he punish himself so is your are your friends is bob your friend on the verge of punishing himself or is there a bigger picture involved um so my initial response was to turn around and say what do you think <laughs> <laughs> you know and help you think it through it not this week okay so <laughs> yeah fair fair <laughs> fair so so for me you know all right to to say god's holding an umbrella back to that analogy good analogy by the way to say that god's holding an umbrella and he said, well, you went two steps farther, so now I'm moving the umbrella. No, 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 no. You stepped out from underneath the umbrella. Okay, very good. Very good. Okay, cool. I'm glad you clarified that. So so from that perspective, yes, God God designed life to operate in a certain way. So to, to use your analogy of Twinkies, right? Now, you know, laws of health are at play there. So 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 God designed humans to live and eat in a certain way. Let's, let's get away out of the actual food analogy. I'm okay. just looking at you know blank doing blank is yeah blank. Yeah. So I was just using Twinkies because I saw it looks like Twinkie on a blue book on your bookshelf over there. It says thinking. Uh, okay, it looks like Twinkie from here. That's how I came up with the Twinkie you, analogy. Joe, do you have a Twinkie problem? I don't like Twinkies. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so for me, so for me, the Bible makes it, makes it very clear that, um, you know, sin once conceived, you know, grows once is full grown, brings forth death, uh, sin page pays its wage, the wage is death. So, and so you can, so yeah, the design law view is, you know, law of freedoms involved there. You know, a person has the freedom to do everything that Paul lists in this passage, drink, swindle, immorality, greed, selfishness, right? And so all of these actions that we take, whether in harmony or not, will have consequences, whether negative or positive, right? So, so for, so in terms of like punishment, punishment means punitive, right? It's, it's something imposed upon you. I'm punishing you. Okay. Now the Bible, it does make it clear in fact, me and a good friend of mine, we go round and round and round in circles because he believes that God punishes you, and I don't. I believe that God will discipline you. Those are two different things, right? So, um, um, I lost my train of thought there for a second. But so, so, so the idea is, love requires that you leave people free to reap the consequences of their choices, right? And I actually um, did some, a little bit of 
thinking this week on that concept of, you know, when we go to a doctor, and the doctor judges, the Bible's using the word judge right now, but we can use the word diagnose, right? The doctor diagnoses, you've been eating Twinkies your whole life, you are diabetic, you are in bad shape. You still have a choice to get on the treatment plan to get better or not. And the doctor, if you choose not to, the doctor is not going to punish you by making you more sick. He's just going to stand back and say, boy, this is frustrating because like he's still getting sick. He's getting sicker and sicker and more sick and more sick. And eventually you get to a point where you have a heart attack then you have surgery or maybe you just die. And the doctor might stand there by your bedside because he's been your family doctor your entire life since you were a kid and cry because he said, why did you have to die? Like there was a clear plan for you to get better. So, so yes, the person who ate Twinkies their whole life and ended up in this situation is reaping the consequences of a string of choices their whole life that led to the inevitable result. The doctor didn't do anything but just accurately diagnose the problem and offer a treatment plan. So I hope that answered your question for what I think. Pick me, pick me. So I want to ask him one quick question. So, so your friend Bob, who's eating Twinkies, did you? How did you word it earlier? Did you say that the consequences of eating Twinkies are going to come up, or you hope that the consequences of eating Twinkies come up? I, I, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Earlier, when? When you were talking earlier, we were talking about the prayer request that your oh that your friend who's eating Twinkies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm did with you, you say now. I hope? Yeah. He. Yes. Gets the consequences? Yes. Okay. I did say that. In other words, I was my 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 friend who I care about, I am praying that God will and and other and others, people in his life, that 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 in according to what Paul was talking here, this is actually in harmony with scripture. It is scripture. <laughs> exactly. That he will uh, start reaping some of the consequences of his actions to the point where it gets the gets. So you want him to bust a belt loop before he gets diabetes? There you go. There you go. Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. That helps clarify that some, because I was a little taken aback. Because I don't believe that God, I don't believe God comes to us harshly. Um, to prove a point. I, I feel that God loves us no matter what. Unconditional, no matter what. However, our choices are what sets us down a path of destruction, um, sickness, whatever. Um, that's all on us, what so, we've chosen. Natural consequences of all that mess. The God's love is continually there, continually unconditional, and um, with friends praying for us, praying for that friend, I believe God is there speaking and talking and talking. I think that's why prayer is so important, because that gives permission for him to just work and work and work, always in love. Um, but still, that person has that God-given right to make that choice, to turn or continue. You know, 
but God's not the one that brings harsh consequences. I think he withdraws his blessing. He withdraws his protection. Maybe, maybe. Because if we're determined to walk away from him, he'll respect that and he'll leave you alone. But that's because he loves you and he respects you and what you're choosing to do. I, and I'm, I'm going to add to that. Like my thoughts are, he doesn't withdraw his protection and his love and all of that. We walk away from it. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, so, so let's get back to the, the to this reading. So, do we? You got something up? Your hands up. I, I do. Okay. Yeah, man. Okay. So, so for me, so for me, and I and I want to correct the record of something that I said to just make it make it. I have no power to change you or you or you. You have no power to change me. I have so I could impose suffering on somebody but what does that say about my character right it's not good it's not a good situation so to, to correct the record of what i have to say something that i've learned recently is the best way to change the dynamic of your relationship whether it's marriage whether it's friends whether it's family is to you as an individual start getting healthy so if i start working on me to start getting healthy that will change the dynamics of the relationship and if the other person, if it's a friend or a family member or your spouse or your child, if they're resistant to growth and change, they will start suffering. Suffering will start happening as you start getting healthier because you'll start setting healthier boundaries. You'll start making changes. And as you grow and mature, and if they're resistant to that, it will, <clears throat> excuse me, it will create suffering. So for me, like, and, and I, I feel that that's what Paul's saying. He's addressing these people in this church and he's saying, you guys need to grow up. You need to get healthy. You need to start making better decisions. And if another person is resistant to that, then, then, then let them be resistant to it. Let them suffer. But you need to focus on getting healthier. So, so that's, you know, to clarify. So, so my, my biggest thing that I've, through the discussion, that this is my thoughts, um, is that, you know, when we see this, remove the evil person from among you, or, but those who are inside the church family are responsible to discern and judge, so it's your duty to remove that wicked one from among you. You know, that's kind of, that's pretty strict, and this is, remove that evil, get rid of that person, you know, let that, don't let that person come in the door. Um, and, I, and I know that an earthly in an earthly way, that's that that's a lot of common sense there, but and and I know I'm guilty of it, and I will be guilty of being earthly and sometimes removing that evil person from me, not allowing that evil person to see what growth I've gone through, see how God's working through me, and try to be in that beacon of light. Um, so it's but that that's how I'm reading this is, you know, yeah we. So we could keep, quote unquote, pushing people away, but at what point, you know, hopefully you can, that person, you can be that person that they can look up to, whether it's you, 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 me, or any of us. Because um, I know for a fact, I learn from everyone in this room. And 
don't ask me what I learned, but I know I see what I see in you as a good person. I want to be a little bit more like that. I want to be a little bit more like that. And if I'm in a room with a people, bunch of bad people, I know I don't want to be like that. I want to be different. And I hope that then they look at us and I want to be like that. And I think that's how change happens through prayer. And it's so do we kick that person out who has A, B, C, D, E, you know, list of things that are in here? Or do we, I think there could be a boundary set that if you come into this room, we don't want to hear you say this or talk about how you have or are doing this. Yes. Yeah, I think it comes back to that one. I can't remember when, but we, we read this a while ago, but it talks about not letting that person have like a stage to speak on. Oh, it's like Third John. Letter yeah, of Third John. Stage. Yep. And yeah, that's really pretty much all I want to say. Okay. So, you know, and I, and I think we can set boundaries with those who, I, but if that person's willing to come into the room and adhere to these quote unquote boundaries of what they are, again, that, that there's that big J word again, judging. That's a, that's a horrible word. But if there's, but if, you know, Bob wants to come in here and throw Twinkies everywhere. I don't know why. It's a horrible thing about it. <laughs> but it's easy. It's easy. It's clean. It's so, so. If I may, you know, I asked the question just listening to you talk and, and stuff. Like, I, I asked the question, like, so why shouldn't we? You know, Paul makes that point here uh, at the end of verse 11 that, like, don't even eat with such a person. You know, clarifying a person who claims to be a Christian yet willfully does these things and they're not going to recovery. So why shouldn't we even eat with such a person? And Seth, what you just said kind of triggered a thought for me was that my view and my experience is that I'm not just here as a Christian because I want to be saved. Unfortunately, most Christianity believes that way. I, I believe most people believe that I'm a Christian because I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. It's very self-oriented. But if you understand scripture and what Jesus is trying to accomplish, you know, my purpose on earth is not to be saved and go to heaven. My purpose on earth is to, as you said, Seth, manifest the person of God. We walk around revealing who God is. So if if you take that perspective, Paul's saying don't even go eat with someone like that because it's a person who is manifesting who God is through their lifestyle and it's a false god it's a false picture of god it's an it's a it's like a, a pagan view of god for someone to say yeah i'm a believer let's go get trashed no i'm not going to be in recovery it's not a problem i'm saved or whatever it could be or they come up with a bunch of excuses or they deny it or they blame it like their heart isn't at all understanding the reality of it so if they're walking around claiming then there's in essence what's the commandment don't um bear false witness they're bearing false witness to god in addition to that they're taking the name of the lord in vain they're not swearing even though they could be swearing but you know they're completely misrepresenting god and so paul is saying don't associate with someone like that because if your your heart's converted then you're and like what Paul said, or I'm sorry, what, what Seth, you just said, don't even give them a platform because then you're saying you are okay with them misrepresenting God in this way. 
You're just enabling their behavior. There, thank you. Well said. I'm done. All right. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. I. I might disagree with Paul then. Okay. I've been that swindler. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for me seeing people like you, I wouldn't be sitting here. So if people shunned me because I was that swindler, I wouldn't be here. Did we encourage your swindling and your behaviors in those moments? No. Can we show an example of another way to do it? I saw the example of another way to do it. I wasn't seeking it, though, but I saw it. So here it says, I think that the key in all of this is that in verse 6, he says, your boasting is not good. Right? So it makes it really clear that, like, people know what's going on, and they're, like, it's okay. It's acceptable. Right? Like, this man is sleeping with his father's wife, and then it says, your boasting is not That's good. That's creepy. <laughs> well, right? So, like, it's not like, you know, I, I think I can pretty unreliably feel that, you know, you were out swindling, right? You came and you hung out and, you know, you know, church, whatever, with, with people that maybe didn't do that kind of thing. But we also didn't encourage you to continue in that situation. In this situation, if you're boasting about it, if you come... I got. I see what you're going to. I see what you're saying. Right? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a difference because, yeah. like, we're not just leaving you there to think that, like, what your behaviors were and what your lifestyle was was okay. That's what's happening here. That the man is sleeping with his father's wife, and they're all like, "Yeah, this is great. This is awesome. Like, keep on going." And uh, at the same breath, I hey, Christ is the way, man. Right. Woo! Exactly. Yeah. See, at that point in time, you were you were the outsider. Paul's saying, "I'm not talking about outsiders. I'm not talking about judging outsiders. They have They don't know Jesus yet, so he wouldn't talk about you at that point. You know." Yeah, he's talking about the ones that are saying, I'm, I, I apologize I'm inside, for my I'm, inside, I'm no. inside the fold uh, and uh, mess it up. No, it you was know. necessary. In this exactly, to get that clarity. Of course, necessary. that was very necessary. That sense to me. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but you're not, because, you know, what you're saying there and making it personal like that, that helps others, you know, understand it better. So, so then, so then, I guess then, so the way then. But if that person chooses to hopefully seek the truth, I hope it's not saying we should shun that person who's going to then seek the truth after living that life of an idolater of a this and this. They say, "Hey, I messed up. I want to come back." Here's the way I look at it. Here's the way I look at it. It's an onion. Oh. It's an onion. Have you heard this before? This is this is the best metaphor in the whole wide world. Seriously. It's an onion. So think about it, right? So you're you're a person and you're a Christian and you're active in your church and you're growing and you've asked God to work with you. And so your close friends and your church family and those who care about you the most, they come to you and they say, Seth, this is a problem area in your life. And here's how it's starting to create unhealth, right? 
and and we're exposing a layer of the onion that was previously unknown to you. And, and, and God is doing it too. And you look at this and you go, that's not a problem. I'm not, I'm not going no further. I don't, you guys have a problem. And you deny, completely you deny it. You refuse to, and I think the whole clincher was a person who refuses recovery, refuses, refuses to grow. They get down so deep in their onion and, and then they stop. They're not going there. I'm not doing it. And let's say this is a person like um, like Joe leading the discussion today, or an elder or deacon, even the pastor, someone who is of great influence in the church, and they refuse to keep growing. That, I believe, is what Paul's saying. And back to what John said too, right, in Third John, don't give them a platform. Stop it right there. Because they have hardened their heart to the Holy Spirit working. Stop them right there. But at any point in time, they're, they continue to grow. They continue to be in recovery. They continue to try. They're, I believe, for me... My experience, my insights, that's what I believe is going on there. Can I say something? So, you know, when I'm hearing this and hearing everyone talk, it really goes back to that word arrogant or pride mm. or being proud. You know, this is who I am. You're going to accept me the way I am. I'm not going to change. And then it makes me think it's so self-focused rather than God-focused, and that's what the real issue is. Yeah. And, you know, and you could probably say that about most of the things that are wrong with, with, you know, with us or with the world or, or sin in general, is that it's not, it's, it's all self-focused. It's, you know, how am I going to be better? How am I going to get ahead of this guy? Or how am I, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, we need to take the self out and direct it to God. Okay. Sarah? Uh, you know, I think that, you know, to go back to your example, right? Like, you were, you, you came in from the outside and, you know, you saw something different, right? Like, if you had come in and brought your ideas in and we had just been, you know, gone along with it, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, keep on keeping on, right? Like, do your thing. Like, then there would have been a problem, right? Like, but instead, you came in, and, and I think this is what it's talking about, like, what we should be doing, that, you know, you came in and you saw something different and you wanted to, um, to do that instead of, right, what you had been doing. Um... And I think that's, you know, like, we're not supposed to, if, if somebody's willing, we're not supposed to leave that person in their sin or where they are, whatever, however you want to think about it, right? Like, it's our job to show them a different way. Not necessarily, like, I think maybe your question is, like, like, how are we going to help them if we just, like, kick them out, right? Because it says, remove the evil person from among you. Like... And I don't think it's about, like, physically kicking them out. I think it's about... Setting healthy boundaries. Right, like, protecting yourself, right? Like, because, you know, we become what we behold, right? So if we become, or if we behold a swindler, right? Like, eventually, if we don't see any problem with it, we're going to become one. So, protect yourself, but show a better way. And if that person's willing, 
then they can come along, right? If they're not, if they repeatedly prove that they are not willing to come along, then you you need to remove them in that situation. It's a circumstantial thing. You know, and, and removing, they say remove, and, and the first thing you think in your head is someone's physically moving uh, yeah, like out. Yeah, the control thing. Yeah. Right, and yeah. somebody's physically moving you out of the building. But honestly, a lot of churches are, are really good at the removing, and it's simply shunning. Mm-hmm. You know, after a while, someone won't want to be there. Right. You know, if you turn your back to someone. I'm not, say, I'm not saying I'm for that. I'm, not, I'm just saying that, that that's how easily... That whole See, this sounds literally look at my generation. Yeah, this yeah. sounds like a cut and dry my way or the highway. What? This sounds like a cut and dry my way or the highway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. you know, sometimes maybe either my way, at least get on the backcountry road for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw you out onto the highway to see what. I think about that when it comes to church leaders. If a church leader is messing up, you know, we need to get you off the podium. We need to, you, you, we're taking your eldership away, not necessarily kicking you out the door, but, but we need to remove you from a leadership role, you know, I don't know, there's all kinds of ways of removing either person. Again, we also have to look at, is there, is there a recovery in that person? Exactly. Is there a recovery there? Yeah. If if the recovery is not there, then (laughs) we do the same thing. All right. Um, anybody else have anything on this before we close out? What do you think, Bob? You want to tell us an onion story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, remember, next week is going to be chapter six, um, and you know, chapter six is going to be. It's going to be it. Tough discussion also, but please read it all. And I think most importantly is that number 11 for me is the most important line in the, in the chapter. That's my opinion. Um, but, and also, uh, the, we got the, uh, corporate gathering at, uh, Rock Ridge, Rock Ridge, Rocky Ridge, Rocky Ridge, Rocky Ridge. Scarlet Oak Pavilion. That the Scarlet Oak Pavilion. Just yeah. learned that. Yep. Yeah, Scarlet. Scarlet Oak Pavilion, Rocky Ridge. May 7th at 11, 11.30ish. Um, bring a covered dish, but please make sure there's food under it. So, um, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's go to Tammy to close this out for this week. Okay. Father, <clears throat> thank you for the great discussion that we had this morning. Um, different thoughts, different ideas. Um, the different way that we perceive things, look at things. Thank you for uh, diversity. Thank you for helping us to sort out who you are, what your message means, and how we can apply that um, to our lives. I thank you, Father. I ask that you please bless this group, bless us as we go through a a new week, um, that you might be in our hearts, in our minds, Um, to show us how to be like Jesus. And I thank you. Amen. Amen.